staying in the scope of practice, I think is a big one. So try not to use Google YouTube videos as your learning platform. Welcome to this week's episode of Beauty Babble. Today, we're talking about the most common mistakes made by new estheticians. Hi, Suzanne. Hi, Doreen. How are you today? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? I'm good. I'm looking forward to today's topic. This well, a big discussion. <laughs> it is. And you and I are, you know, it's been a while since we've been new estheticians. Mm-hmm. However, I think that this is um, an important topic to cover because these are things I wish I had known when I was a new esthetician. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, from when I became, like when I started in this industry, when you did to today, things have changed a lot too. But ironically, I think the mistakes are still kind of the same, right? Some mistakes are universal. I think so. <laughs> um, yeah. So even um, it's not, and, and none of this is about being right or wrong. It just, it's a consideration to think about. It's not saying that, um, that this falls for you as a person, the listener right now, it's just keep in mind, these are thoughts that you should think about or as a spa owner, and maybe you have staff, you're hiring new estheticians, you're thinking about going into the industry. What are some common things? So these are things that people have actually um, come up with and said, or they've come here or even over the years, I remember too. But if we look at the last year, people commenting and, and, and sharing with us when they either over the phone or an email or coming in in person to us here at Beauty Co. Um, it's, it's ironic that there's, it's still kind of the same things. It could just be in a bigger scale now. It's, but the idea is still there, I think. Yeah, for sure. Why don't you kick us off with number one? <laughs> um, I think number one is jumping into your own business too fast. Now hear me out on this. Okay. I'm not saying, because I mean, everyone's doing it. They are there's different degrees to how to do this. Now, if you are becoming a lash technician, I think that's pretty feasible because you're focusing on one service. Mm-hmm. When you jump into this and you're going to do everything that you've been trained on, the biggest thing is um, the skill set. You have a lot of things to keep learning about. If you're focused on one service, then I think, you know what, you could probably do this and, you know, fumble a little here and there, learn and grow from it. Uh, but the big thing is think about what you're going to do. So if that's your goal, you're going to be the lash tech. I'm just picking one. And so think about how does that look to invest in your business? That's my thing. It's like, how are you going to start this right away? Like think about the investment side of it. And the other thing that um, I look at is the skill level from a lot of lash techs that I've talked to. They said it was a good year of just doing lashes where they really had their skill set. That's mm-hmm. the year. And they only focused on one service. So imagine if you're an esthetician and you do waxing and facials and pedicures and lashes and makeup and like you keep going on how and you're sharing your skill set and everything, but it's a slower process. It's a slower progress because there's so much to learn and you're the base of schooling is just a base level, you know, it's kind of a intro to the fundamentals, but you still haven't even started the fundamentals of it all. You know what I mean? Like, absolutely. I think they have to consider and be patient and don't go in thinking, you know, it all because you just got certified. 
You know, I'm not saying that you're not capable, but it's probably going to take you a little longer. You're going to learn what to do, not to do. You're going to learn how to deal with your clients. Uh, if you're doing it out of your home, you're going to see the challenges of doing it from your home, giving out your cell phone number, people calling you at nine o'clock looking for an appointment and not knowing why you're not texting back, you know, like setting yeah. your boundaries and, and all these things just to consider with it. Right. But I think one thing I wanted to say with that, if you are going to go on your own and kudos to you for, for having the courage to do it, because not everyone has that which is awesome. I think it's just amazing that people have the confidence to do it or willing to try it at least is good. But remember one thing, you're representing this industry. And just because you saw after your lash tech certificate, you went online and saw how to do lash lift next. Please make sure you're still doing the right process and getting certified uh, if you're in different parts of the U.S., there's state laws and licensing you have to oblige by. Um, staying in the scope of practice, I think, is a big one. So try not to use Google YouTube videos as your learning platform. Still find that representation of your certificates and and try to help. Like I know, I know people who have taught themselves permanent makeup through YouTube videos. And I think uh, they can serve as a really great uh, research method is to yeah. look and see, is this a service I would like to offer? How, what, what does it entail? Can I see myself doing it? Uh, but I agree with you that they definitely need to know the, um, theory, first of all, involved with every service and then, um, actually get certified in how to do it. I think mm. this reminds me of a conversation we had in a previous episode with Maylene who was a new esthetician and right. she, there was some things that she didn't realize until experiencing them with clients. And so if you give yourself that time to get a little bit more experienced before going out on your own, then, um, you'll learn a lot more. you you learn so much more when you're out of school, you learn a ton in school, but the, the doing mm-hmm. really opens you up to, um, a whole Every new day. world of yeah. lessons. Mm-hmm. And I think the dealing with your clients, the, that communication, the, the relationship building, that's something you need to learn. And I don't think that uh, you have enough time to do that in school. Yeah, no, no. Because most yeah. time in school, you're how many times you're actually getting a repeat client? Exactly. Yeah. Right? So yeah, no, that's very true. Yeah. I remember that conversation. It was a great conversation. Mm-hmm. It was. Another oh, thing I think. great. Um, yeah. Another one, which I know you have more to say on this one, but um is comparing yourself to the successful people on social media. Mm. When you yes. get out there and you're wondering why you don't have the followers, why you don't, I don't know, or, or you're new at doing these kind of posts, and you're not sure even how to begin to do it. And I think um, people start showcasing their service and forget that social media is really about you, the face behind the service. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a big part, which I know we're going to get into some um, strategies for social media. We talked about doing this on the podcast, which is fantastic. Yeah. Uh, and then there's going to be opportunities for people to dive in deeper if they want to really take a course mm-hmm. and learn from it, uh, which is awesome. But I think if they like everyone had to start somewhere. So instead of looking at the person who's got, you know, 50,000 followers already, 
what if you could go back into their, you know, years ago, how many years have they been doing this already? And at this point, are they really doing their own social media? Yeah. Right. Is there someone filming for them doing it? Are they still doing it themselves? Maybe. Yeah. Give them kudos. It's a lot of work. I know we've been trying to set up an, another um, chat with one of the last checks that we know very well. And she's had some really interesting things to say about it. And there's a lot of work behind it. It's not that it's not just um, we have seen some really great strategies that people have done. And you and I have seen some that what are they doing? Yes. Just, you know, you if you're new to doing this on a business strategy wise, I think one is what are you what's your goal behind it? Like your personalities be like honor your personality and who mm-hmm. you are, I think is another thing. So when you look at personalities, people are quiet or shy. And all of a sudden you're you're like this other person on social media. Well, you need to represent that person in the treatment room. So you, I, you yeah. have to make sure you're honoring who you are in the social media side. And there's some people that's who they are. Like the stuff that some people say and do on social media actually kind of blows my mind because I came from the time where it was very conservative and proper and mm-hmm. not talking about their weekend and, you know, or, or sharing what went on in the salon and everybody, you know, it's an open concept place. And they're all talking about, you know, what went on. And then you get someone, let's say like myself coming into a place like that. I wouldn't be comfortable with that. Yeah. Right. So it's just, everyone's different. I have friends that love that and they think it's funny and hilarious to listen to their lifestyles, we'll say, and they share it staff and clients, but that's that environment, right? Mm-hmm. So I think, I think people have to really look at when you're comparing yourself on social media, who are yeah. you bringing out on this platform and you, and they got to get to know you. That's what social media is about. It's the stories behind you, right? Totally. I think the, um, a lot of the main thing that gets missed when it comes to social media and the unrealistic expectations some people may have is I'm going to start social media and then I'm going to start selling or I'm going to start getting new clients. But really social media is about building relationships and creating community. It's a two-way street. So if you're just posting, but you're not engaging, you're not commenting, you're not actually participating in conversations, you're not going to see the return. And every successful person on social, I guarantee you, maybe they don't after a certain point because they've reached a certain level of success. But in order to reach that level of success, you really need to invest a lot of time and energy into the engaging. Mm -hmm. Don't post and hope that that will be enough because it's really about posting and talking and sharing. And you touched on a, you know, the private life versus, I I really think that when you create a professional, like your social media for your aesthetic business, really keep everything aligned with the goal of why you created it. You know, if you're talking about something, it doesn't always have to be about aesthetics or a service, um, but you don't want to veer too much off topic because that's what people will go to you for is the thing that you're known for. So your niche, whatever that may be. Exactly. So I yeah. think it, you have to remain in your, in your area. And just, if you wouldn't say it to a client in a treatment room, 
don't say it on social media. That's fair. That's a good <laughs> statement. Just remember that, right? Yeah, yeah for sure. Um, what else was there? Uh, oh, most common mistake, and there's no particular order with any of these things is that's right. Okay, you're starting out in the industry, and you know you've got one client booked in the morning, so you have all the time in the world. You don't stick to the booking time. Mm-hmm. This mm-hmm. is going to crash and burn you. Because if the first few times I came to see you and that pedicure took two hours and now you're banging it out in an hour, I'm like, well, look at her flying through this now. Yeah. It will be a negative effect on your clients. So stick to the protocols that you set up with the time frame. Now, like for example, waxing, lashes, like it will vary a little bit with each person. Understandable. Might take a little longer, but you need to vocalize that and tell them. You know what? Typically, my pedicures are an hour and 15 to an hour and a half. Give them a range. Yes. It really depends how much work I'm doing. So make sure you have that protocol in there and stick to it. If you finish the service and say, okay, we're all done. Did you want to have a cup of tea and sit for a minute? But we're all done. Do you know what I mean? Like you yeah. have to tell them it's final. I don't have, I've done this. I did this in my spa many times. And the staff knew this, that there was a private room available because each room was kind of set up in a way that they could sit in the mm-hmm. room. Um, but we had a back area where there was a nice quiet area that they could sit in and we'd remove them, like take them, walk them down to that other place and say, why don't you sit here and have yourself a tea? I need to clean up and get ready for the next client. That doesn't mean they need to know that your not client isn't coming for another two hours. Right. You just need to be set up and ready to go because you could get a walk-in. You could get a last minute. And if you're working in an an environment with other people in the industry, maybe there's crossover. Your hairstylist just found out her client wants a brow wax, Mm. right? It's just, you always want to be prepared for that. Don't go over your booking time. I agree. And I think if you're working for somebody else, they're not going to like you going over your booking time, especially as a new esthetician. Like if you're working per, by the hour or whatever it may be, mm-hmm. I think that there's an expectation to stick to the times that you are booked for that client. And then when you're not booked, then you can you know do laundry or set up for your next client. There's lots to be laundry, done. Yeah. So um, the other yeah. thing on that note is that you could be in the treatment room if you're working somewhere else and be booked already. Absolutely. That's right. And that's you happened. Know. And I mm-hmm. said, what, what's going on? Yeah. You know, I knew they were doing a pedicure and paraffin was on and it's like, Hey, you know, tick tock. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> what's going on? What are you doing? It's like, Oh, I didn't have anybody. It's like, well, you do now. Oh, mm-hmm. I can't. Oh yes, you can. Yeah. Yeah. That's my theory. And it's like, I, I said, one of the things is sticking to protocols. Yeah. And consistency. Like that client comes to see another esthetician and they're sticking to time. They're going to feel some sort of way about it. So right. Or nobody wins if you don't stick to your booking time. I mean, there's so many scenarios with that. I think, I think people can understand, like, you know, I go get a pedicure from somebody, we'll say Terry. And I think she's amazing, did a wonderful job. I'm just like, oh my gosh, she took her time. It was amazing. And then two months later, you decide to go during to Terry Mm -hmm. Terry, and you see oh yeah I would like her I heard she's really good and she bangs you out in that hour and you're like well she rushed through mine 
Right. Exactly. It's, you just don't know how that's going to fall back on you. So I think it's really important that they understand the why behind the booking time is so important. Yeah. Kind I of adding that. into that side of it is overpromising. Mm -hmm. The false claims almost, I like to say, um, you're in the treatment room and you're, you bluntly say, I can take care of that pigmentation for you, that hyperpigmentation. Mm -hmm. I can um, take care of that ingrown toe for you. First off, is that in your scope of practice? Should you mm -hmm. be doing it is a big one. And I think the other thing is that be okay to refer out. Be okay and confident to say, you know what? That hyperpigmentation, you know, I know Doreen, she does an amazing job with that. I think you should see her because she has a lot of experience with this. Um, I'm a little newer to this game, mm -hmm. you know, like I, I, I'm learning and going, but I think her expertise would serve you better or a dermatologist who has yeah. something, right? Like, yeah. you know, it's like, be okay to that. And your clients are going to respect you for it. You know, it's, I think it's you know, okay to not know as well. And to, and to let your client know that, you know, mm -hmm. you don't really know. I, I remember a scenario there was a secret shopper. So they, I, I don't know if they do this anymore. It wasn't for me, but it was a new esthetician that got hired at the spa that I was working on. And I guess she had a secret shopper and she had recommended a specific treatment to what she thought was hyperpigmentation, but it wasn't. It was, is it melasma? Melasma. Yeah. Right. Which you couldn't treat in the specific, I can't remember what the specifics were. I think she recommends different protocol on how to treat different protocol on how to treat it. That's right. Yeah. So she had recommended the wrong protocol and the person that was the secret shopper was an esthetician. And so not only did she know that was the wrong protocol, then with the feedback given to the owner's manager, it was in that case, you know, you're not qualified to, to diagnose as, as an esthetician and as a new esthetician, you might not be able to recognize the difference. So that's right. Yeah, for sure. And when you, if you are working on your own, make sure you have some, some people around you, uh, mentors or, or, um, instructors that you could talk with again in your, if you took the course, are they reachable, right? Or do you, is, is your educator of the product line you're working with, can they help you and be okay to say, you know what, let me look into this a bit more because I think we could do this treatment for you, but I need to know, you know, the process and the protocols and let's set up a game plan. I really want to make sure you have all the tools you need as my client to make that decision. Yeah, or that's a great a idea. A game plan versus we can do this. Another, a good a thing that you could do as an, if you're on your own is to like join a, a Facebook group for oh, estheticians yeah. in your neighborhood or your, in your city, sorry, so that you can ask questions of them. If you don't have a mentor or somebody that you can go to. Yeah. Even on, um, like, you know, on Instagram, it's completely different than Facebook. I've noticed that. Uh, and sometimes the people on Instagram, I know people who became friends just because they, how they ended up with that back and forth with each other, private messaging, right? And most times this way you could reach out to someone in England if you wanted to, right? Like um, 
that has a source of information and been experienced for so long and ask the question, you know, I saw when you did that ombre brow, like how do you, first off, how do I learn to do that? What do you suggest I need to do? Or, you know, like what schooling should I do? Or what workshops did you do? Is it feasible for me to be able to do it? And if not, at least you have an idea what you're looking for when you do Mm -hmm. seek out the training, right? So I think that's one thing about going out on your own is that really think about who are your people, who, who's your, your group that you can go back and forth with. Right. And that's a big one, I think too. Cool. That connects to our first point. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Right. Um, what else do I have on my list? Oh yes. Now this, I think is a lot of personality based, Mm -hmm. but lack of confidence or you look like it's lack of confidence because it is your personality, your demeanor, you're quieter, you're a little more shy. Again, you haven't had a chance to build that personality out because you just did a class. You just did a course. Like, How are you going to build that out? You haven't had that, what we talked about earlier, that relationship back and forth with your clients to really uh, build that kind of communication in your own toolbox. Mm -hmm. So when you stand in the mirror, take a look at yourself. Do you stand slouch? Is your head down? Do you look down? Uh, body language is, what do they say? 80 to 20? 80% is body language. 20% is what comes out of your mouth. I, I think, think so. Yeah. Something like that, right? So everything about your body language is big. That mm-hmm. includes eye contact. People find it very uncomfortable to do eye contact when they speak to people, especially yeah. if they're shy. Yeah learn how to do it. You, you're going to have to learn to speak to your clients when they first walk in, greet them. I still believe in the handshake when you first meet them. I mean, a lot of people are doing fist bumps now. That's okay. That's fine. Right. But body language is big part eye contact mm-hmm. and, um, you know, that greeting each time be consistent. Uh, don't be all excited. The first time you saw them over the top, and next time, you know, fourth time in, you're like, hey, Doreen, what's up? You know, it's like, yeah, well, they really liked you on how you greeted them on that. So set your bar that you can maintain that greeting, I think is a big one, too. It has um, to be authentic, too. And I think once I it's think made so, from yeah. an authentic place, yeah. then it's um, sometimes I put on a people face, <laughs> right. you know. Where, especially when you're, when you're feeling a little down and you're like, oh, so I just you got to turn a little bit right? more oomph into my, my tone or, or whatever. But it's in remembering that, that, you know, you can't do that and not know what your reference point is, because like you said, it, you're going to be super bubbly one day and then back to your normal, more reserved self the next time it, it doesn't, um, it the client's not going to get that, you know, yeah, exactly. I remember that with um, some staff that, and I knew that they were being genuine. That's just was their personality, right? They were way up there in energy. And I talked to them and I said, I think, you know what, know your clients first as well. Should you give them all of you (laughs) that very first meeting or does that come with time, right? Because some people have big personalities and some people are like, whoa, she's way too much for me. Yeah. Off that first meeting. And you could be the best esthetician, a wonderful person, authentic, unique, but yet, you know, trusting and loyal and you represent well, but you could just that first two minutes, it's not even two minutes, actually, 
judgments mm-hmm. done within what do they say 20 seconds mm-hmm. yeah class. so but I think that is a big part of it but part of building your clientele is you end up building clientele that you connect with correct you can I, I don't know if this is a popular um point of view but I always saw myself a little bit as a chameleon like I did you know lean one way or another depending on my client like if I had an older client I might be a little bit quiet like I have a very loud (laughs) uh voice and and all that so you know I might reel it in a little bit not be as excited um I think I if you're looking at it on a spectrum or a scale, you know, I'd go like a little to the left, a little to the right, For depending sure. on the client, you know, I wouldn't veer too much away from who I am, but in a way, when you're in an industry where you deal with people, you have to be malleable in, in how you approach people and mm-hmm. understanding what, what's their, their body language. When I walk up to a client, I'm assessing what kind of, what are they what do they want? You know, what are they looking for? And I'm going to try to accommodate as much as possible while remaining true to myself, which sometimes it's not, it's not possible. And that Mm -hmm. those are the clients where you do your best and you recognize that they probably are going to find somebody else. And that's, yeah. And that's okay. You know, I loved how you said it's a bit of a chameleon, but that doesn't mean that you, you change your values and who you are. Absolutely. Exactly. It's just, um, like I had a wide range of clientele. I had them from teenagers all the way up to retired great grandmas. Like it was all different types of people. Um, Some of the topics that were discussed with me, I allowed the topic to happen. Do you know what I mean? Like, and yeah. but they knew boundaries because I would hear a part of a story. And the next time that client came in to say, I don't know, saw you instead. And then you came and it's not gossip. It's like, we're sharing the same clients. Like, my mm-hmm. God, did you know this? And this happened with them. This is what's going on. It's like, oh no, I didn't know that. How do you not know them? Didn't you see them last time? They will share whatever you're going to, they're going to share with you, but you've set the boundaries without realizing yeah. maybe, or you don't set the boundaries, right? That's another thing. And, and how do you set the boundaries? That takes time. That's people skill. Exactly. Again, that comes with the experience, right? Experience, if you yeah. were, um, a nurse for many, many years, and you got into this industry, well, you maybe already have some people skills that you've yeah. dealt with lots of different people. So, or we have people who never really worked with people or in a service industry of any sort. This can be new and a little bit um, stand backish, like standoffish. Like you're just like, oh my God, I don't want to know this about them. Yeah. How do you deal with that? I said, oh, and I used to say to oh, don't worry. They probably got the message long as it wasn't too harsh and they go (laughs) yeah what do you mean I said well as long as you weren't overly shocked by what they just said and shared with you no judgment but if you don't partake in a conversation then they already know this is probably something that you're not gonna really gonna get into with them right they're not they're not stupid no they're gonna they're also picking up on what your your body language yeah it's the relationship that we mentioned they're trying to figure you out as much as you're trying to figure them out so yeah it it is a two-way it's a big one hey that's a long conversation yeah (laughs) because we know what it's like absolutely Um, yeah and I mean if if you the the listener out there you know you've run into situations you don't know how to deal with it um 
like I said, we've had people, our clients here, we call our um, boss, salon owners, uh, staff, whoever they may be, our clients. So they've reached out and asked questions too. So it's fine. Like find a mentor. That's a big one for all of this. They will have the experience behind them probably to share some thoughts. It's not the answer all the time, but at least it gives you some ideas of, of how to make it yours now. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and there's just two things I had left on my list. Okay. What are sure they? What else is coming up in your mind on this one? But, uh, um, the proper way to sanitize and sterilize. Oh, okay. Because I, I don't know when you first come out of schooling, not everyone's like this, but mm-hmm. I just remember through staffing or people coming here and they're like, yeah, you know, like they're nonchalant about it. We took pride in this that everybody know, like I know, okay, I didn't have my spa up and running when COVID happened. Mm-hmm. But I know that my clients, other than if they had a, a compromised immune system, of course not, but anyone else would have no issue coming to my spa because they knew we said it loud and proud. Everybody yeah. knew what we did. Everybody knew our protocols and standards for cleaning. I said, this is a public facility. Some new people would come in and we would ask them, can you please go wash your hands? And we'd walk them over and they're like, oh, really? I said, yes, we're about to do a manicure. Yeah. yeah. Or their nails, right? Gel nails. Always wash their hands. Mm-hmm. That was just some of the protocols we, we always had. But most of the time, the clients got used to that and they would just go wash their hands for every service that they came because they're touching everything, right? Yeah. So I think the basic thing too, now that I've seen, and I've seen this in students, um, and I, and especially when I, when I taught in the high school, cell phones are right on their carts, right? And I'm sure you as an esthetician, not you dream, but you out there, the listener, yes. where's your cell phone and do you touch it throughout your treatment? Like touching money. <laughs> it, it exactly. Right. It can so, be really gross. <laughs> I know that you might have to, because I don't know, maybe that's where you do your notes for your clients on your booking system. But then I would verbally say, okay, so I just need to check the protocols on this that I had for you from last time. And you're looking, and if you have a sink right there, so I'm just going to wash my hands first. Yeah. Right. Say it. You sneeze, go wash your hands. Mm-hmm. And the reason I say washing hands is because, yeah, you can have a hand sanitizer like station set up and you can do that. But if I'm touching face and skin, I don't want that solution on their face. Yeah. So put on some gloves, then, some fresh gloves if you need to. Like I still to this day, when I deal with clients and I'm, I say, I like to cleanse with my bare hands because it gives me a chance to touch your skin. I can feel your skin, any bumps, the thickness, the the texture, the um, elasticity, the whatever it may be, right? The tension that they're holding in their face. Yeah. There's a lot of reasons why I do it to start. And then after I'm all done, I do my analysis of the skin. And then I say, okay, uh, just give me a moment. I just got to dry my hands really well because I'm going to put some gloves on because I'm moving on to your microneedling now. Mm-hmm. And I say it. And that client, you know, and she wouldn't go to very many people before because of the sanitization, sterilization. So just be consistent. That's yeah. Really I like it. I like you saying that, saying it, the verbalizing it. That's really good because actually I know me because I'm a little bit of a germaphobe. 
I'm watching. I'm <laughs> I'm keeping it. I might not say anything sometimes, but I'm wondering and I'm watching. So you never know if your clients are wondering and verbalizing it lets them takes the question and the wondering completely out of it. And you set that standard for yourself and your treatments. Mm -hmm. I That's my favorite tip. Yeah. And if that's, if you're the owner and that's who you are, um, I, I, I caught on to this a long time ago that most people are actually very interested in this. <laughs> they, they just never thought really about to ask it because they were shy. Yeah. And I'd be like, no, you ask, get out there and ask, and you're going to go somewhere else to get your nails done. I'm okay with that. Just be safe. Yes. What are they doing? How do they treat you? And if they don't do that, you wash your hands really good when you leave or whatever it may be. It's no different when you go to the grocery store and you come home and wash your hands. The yeah. people never thought about these things beforehand, but this was always um, something big for me. Like if you've, if you've been taught the possibilities of what can be on a doorknob to a handle to a chair to a what your devices whatever it may be you'll probably be washing your hands more often we're and never out of that <laughs> yeah right um so that's another one and like I said educate your clients on the protocol even if it's just you yourself and I right like you're, yeah. you're your own person um they're coming especially in your home right like if they're coming to your home I would have them there's the washroom please that's the protocols here. Please wash your hands before we begin. Because yeah. you're now having public come into your home, right? Oh, for sure. But no different than your place. I say home because a lot of people are doing this on their own, starting mm -hmm. out with this because they're stay-at-home moms and they want something to do while they're raising their kids. And that's yeah. why I kind of sit home. So of course you want to protect your kids and your family, sure. right? Yeah. But yeah, yeah. Uh, and the last one here is... Um, well, do you have a license and are you staying in your scope of practice? But on the other side of that, do you have insurance and liability insurance? Mm, okay. A lot of people don't realize they, they need to have it. Like you're protecting yourself. You're protecting your assets. Things happen. Like this person could be coming onto the bed and slip and fall off of your waxing table, mm -hmm. your lash table, your, they come in, they trip and fall all on their own. Like there was nothing around there, but they did it. You could be sued. Yeah. It that's a really good one, actually. I think that's one that people don't might not think about right away or only think about it when they really end up needing it. <laughs> Something goes wrong and they go, uh oh. I, yeah. I wonder if I'm gonna learning the hard way. Yeah. And then they run out to try to get insurance at that point in time. Yeah. So I think it's a big one. You need to protect yourself mm -hmm. and your assets, which and you might one person I don't have any assets it doesn't matter yeah right you don't want that you don't want to go through the legalities of it how can you afford it you're going to need a lawyer yeah right so you, whereas your insurance will help with that side of it you know ask them questions you know nothing wrong with saying walk me through the protocols of something happens in my spa what happens yeah me? Tell me the steps. No difference in your home insurance. And you get a water, I don't know, sewer backup. Most people find out what happens when their sewer backs up and how insurance works when it happens. Yeah. And had no idea that's how it went down. Right. So yeah. For sure. That was my big list of things. I don't know if I have anything else. Oh, I do. I have one more. Okay. Sorry. 
Oh, that's good. The touch. Okay. Start out as an esthetician. And I will say, when you have to touch skin. So if they have, you know, clothes on or something, I think people are a little more comfortable. But when you have Mm -hmm. to touch a client's legs, take their leg and ask them to open up their leg nice and wide so you can do that bikini. Mm -hmm. Uh, Or facial. You have this fluffy touch to you. Like you don't, you're scared to touch them. And you maybe don't, you're just trying to be really gentle. It could be that. But it comes across like you don't really want to touch them. Yeah. So be mindful. Don't be afraid to touch. So if it's a facial, the first thing after I've washed my hands is I touch their face. I touch the shoulder. Then I go to the side of the face. And then I start working the head. So I go back and forth. Right. If it's a waxing client, you know, I start down at their feet. And then slowly work my way up. You know, I don't go right into the bikini, yeah. even if it's just a bikini wax. Even if it's a Brazilian, I still mm-hmm. touch somewhere else to make them comfortable. Right. And I think you have to really, without being too aggressive, I've had that where they don't understand the difference of touch. So if you're not a person that really gets that idea, then work with your family and try it out or friends, or you might have client friends right? Like, mm-hmm. can I ask you a question? How's my touch? And ask throughout the process, right? It's like, well, you're getting really light about there. It's kind of creepy. Like you are doing my bikini. You know, I, I think another thing that would be good, especially for like, we're talking about new estheticians, mm-hmm. a lot of times the experience you have receiving treatments is by other students. And so it's a similar touch where it's not that confident knowing what you're, how to touch. Um, I think they need to go get treatments by seasoned estheticians and more than one, because everybody has a different, you know, style and feel and understanding what you like and how you would like to then give your services. Mm -hmm. That's one of the things that we, um, I implement when I'm teaching or coaching anybody is that, I literally put my hand on their hand, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, if they're doing the service, because it, it's a training aspect, training session. It right. doesn't matter if it's an advanced treatment, a seasoned esthetician, or someone brand new taking program, right? It's I still will go in and say, I, I don't know what it is by watching. I can tell mm-hmm. how their hands placements are, or it's in the wrong place because they don't even know where to place the hand. Like there's the training. I was fortunate enough to have the amount of training that I had because we were taught hand placement. We were taught touch. We were taught like, but I mean, that program, when I look at it, that's that's a year full time. That's five mm-hmm. days a week, 40 hours a week. And we only got, there was no holidays. If it was a stat, we got a day off. That was it. So you imagine a full-time year of doing. So we had a lot of practice and touch, touch was part of our marking. So that's something good. Actually, I had that. Mm-hmm. It made sense uh, to me. And I implemented it because I did body treatments too. And that was a big one. So I realized, oh, that's so, yeah. It doesn't matter if it's brows. It doesn't matter if it's lashes, makeup, pedicure, touch is, yeah. is crucial. But yeah, that's just me. So I try to, I do try to bring it in and suggest to people what to, what that's to do. That's a good one. Actually, I've had that experience when I've been doing the wax training 
especially with the hard wax on the underarms. And I'm always like, you need to put pressure. And then when I'll let somebody do it on somebody else, and then I will do it on the person who did it. And they'll be like, oh, that much pressure. I'm like, yeah, yeah. I didn't hurt you. Mm-hmm. It actually feels more comfortable, but you need to put pressure and they don't. I, so I think that feel yeah. is really important. Yeah. The feel is so important and, and it takes time to learn it. You know, yeah. it's like the, the fluffy side of things, but you know, one thing for me is I loved, uh, massage. I don't know why. So I really honed in on it and mm-hmm. then understanding the muscles and the origin surgeons of the muscles and saying, okay, I have to lighten up here. Cause it's the collarbone. Like, you know, like you, that's why you need to know the muscles and the bones. Yeah. So, you know, that, you know, I had, I remember talking about as simple as uh, the nose, everybody's nose is different. And they're thinking shape. I said, no, the cartilage. Mm-hmm. Some people have very soft cartilage. Some people have very hard car- cartilage. Some people have a very large opening, some very small. You can't, you're, you're closing their nose when you're yeah. working and cleansing or you're, you're working so hard that you push their nose flat down. That's not comfortable. Hmm. So things like that, right. Or working with a a skin type that has less elasticity and that doesn't mean an age because there's genetics. That's true. Right. So you, you really need to pay attention to your touch and what's under your hand when you're doing it. So, yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah, I, I mean, a lot of list. <laughs> yeah. And we, I could talk about every point for days, but I think I, that it's a good, um, a good list to kind of put out there and everything is, something to consider it's to be mindful right. of mm-hmm. and to watch how you're doing it because sometimes we do something and we're not aware of until it's you know brought to our attention so hopefully this is helpful to yeah. our listeners and um, we're always open for if you have a good one let us know <laughs> yes or share your experiences with this like you can um you know add to the messages below um, uh, reach out to us, even on social media, if you'd like, uh, however Absolutely. you want to give us your feedback, that maybe there was a point in this conversation that you went, Oh gosh, I thought I was doing that, but I'm actually doing this. I discovered that after the fact, or, you know, it's like, or you're like, Oh yeah, no, I've got that checked. I'm good with this. Perfect. That's, that's wonderful. And this is all this is, is resource and reminders. And whether you're new or seasoned, these are things to consider all the time. So we're not just picking on the newbies here, but absolutely. Oh, for sure. Get complacent and, and forget and (laughs) too comfortable maybe and forget. That's another can of worms. That's another, that's another topic. (laughs) Totally. Another topic. Maybe we could get someone in for that. Any volunteers? (laughs) Let Let us us know. know. (laughs) (laughs) Would love to have you guys on. So if you do have a topic, you'd love to discuss or feel that, you know, like we always said, it's open let us know. We'll fit you into the schedule somehow. So absolutely. And there's the email is usually in the description and you can find us on social as well. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. Yeah. It was great chatting today. (laughs) It was great. Thank you so much. And thanks for, to our listeners. We'll be back next week with another episode of beauty babble. Thanks for listening to beauty babble. 